Welcome back to A View from the Couch. My name is Rich. And I'm Jen. And today we're going to throw you a curveball. We were going to talk about A24's new horror movie, Men. But we're going we're gonna to throw a curveball because we went and we watched it. We had a great discussion about it. And we decided that it probably wasn't a movie that our listeners were interested in hearing about. Now, if for some reason we're completely misreading our audience here and you guys do want to hear about that, let us know. You can tweet at us at, at view underscore couch. You can email us at a view from the couch at yahoo.com and let us know if you really do want to hear our review of men, we will record it and we will put it out there for you. But I believe that our audience is not the type of audience that would want to hear what we have to say about that movie or likely probably aren't interested in going to see that movie. I, I feel yeah, like there our, was not very many people in the theater when we went. Yeah. I feel like our audience is a lot like you, Jen. And then, and, and I mean that in that a lot of people go to movies just for entertainment, purely entertainment. And men is not a movie that's there for just entertainment. That's a, a movie that requires some dissection and a little bit of audience participation to really get the most out of the story. So again, if I'm wrong, tweet at us, send us an email, leave us a review that says, hey, you idiots should have released men, whatever. <laughs> we'll do it. Absolutely. 100%. We will do it. But for now, we are, we are going to throw a curveball and we're going to talk. We decided we're going to do a little bit of something different this year with a view from the couch. We put out, a, we put out an episode a week. And there's not always a new movie to talk about that we feel is worthy of the show. So what we've decided to do is once a month, we're going to go back and look at a classic movie that's having an anniversary the year that we're recording the episode. So for example, the, the movie that we're discussing today is E.T., The Extraterrestrial, which is having its 40th anniversary right now. It was, it was released in 1982. It is now 2022. And that is 40 years, guys. Look at me doing math live. Well, not live. It's being recorded. I could edit this if I really needed to, if I didn't get the math right. But so that's what we're going to do. We're going to do a, a review of ET. And going forward, probably once a month, we're going to have an anniversary movie. We're going to do stuff and we're going to theme them. You know how we always love to do themed stuff back in the day. And we're going to theme these this year's anniversary movies are going to be alien anniversary movies. Hence ET. We're going to do alien three. We're going to do predator. We're going to do a couple other ones that we'll tell you more about later. But for today, we're talking about ET the extraterrestrial. Is this our first Spielberg flick? Is this the first time we've talked Spielberg? I think so. Yeah. I, I, I feel like we might have done. War of the Worlds? Maybe I'm wrong. I don't think we did. You don't think we did War of the Worlds? Okay. Uh, we watched it last year, but I don't think we podcasted on it. We didn't do a podcast about it. Okay. All right. Well, fair enough. So our first, ostensibly, without me double checking that, it's our first Spielberg flick. And Jen, did you see this when it was in theaters in 82? Oh, no. I, I wouldn't have seen it in theaters. Oh, wow. Really? But I highly doubt it. We okay. did not go to the theaters very often. Uh, okay. I'm guessing we probably 
rented it at some point sure, when it was sure. available for rent. Sure. Yeah. I, I myself have seen this in theaters a couple of times. The first time was when I was nine years old and the movie came out. And the second time was with my friend Amity in 2002 when the 20th anniversary was out. And so I've seen the, I've seen both versions. I've seen the, this version and the infamous 20th anniversary edition. Do you know anything about that 20th anniversary edition? They replaced guns with walkie talkies. They did do that. They also did a bunch of CGI that really looked goofy. There's, there's some, some interesting stuff that they, uh, they played around with in that 20th anniversary thing. Steven Spielberg has gone on record, however, and said, yeah, that was dumb. I shouldn't have done that. Just uh, they're never going to release it again. So if you haven't seen it, you're not going to get to. So sorry, folks. Sorry. But I did see this in theaters in 1982 with my family. We were in England at the time. So we were in a big English theater and it was summer in England and it was hot as hell and no air conditioning. They didn't have air conditioning in the theater. So it was just, we were just baking in there and they had a dude walking up and down the aisle selling ice cream. That's what I remember about watching E.T. the first time. Uh, the second time I saw E.T., I saw a pirated video. There was a guy that used to drive around. He had pirated copies of movies. He he got busted, but he was he would drive around in the in the base housing on the air on the, so in some England. Interesting information about this whole release thing. So yeah. the this movie had the longest ever theatrical run mm-hmm. when it originally went. It was over sure. a year, and then when it was going to go to DV or not DVD. It go to VHS release, right? Is that right. what it was yeah. back then? Yep. Or um, Betamax. It would have been Betamax too, actually. Okay. Spielberg did not want to do a home release because he wanted to save it and make it special and only do theatrical releases. So what was happening was there was a big issue, a big problem with pirated videos of E.T., because they didn't do a home release. (laughs) Then there was a whole bunch of complaints starting to come in because people had bought these movies thinking that they had an actual copy and then realized it was pirated. So eventually he decided to go ahead and cave and then they did the home release. So kind of an interesting little story about how it had to actually go through a few hoops here to get, get Spielberg to be okay with releasing it to home, home, um, home viewing. That's interesting because Spielberg, he didn't, he was very reluctant to put his stuff on DVD when DVDs became a thing. Like he didn't like the idea. He didn't want it to be digital. I don't think, I don't know what it was, but he would, he fought that for a long time. And then when they finally started to leave, it was a big thing in the DVD collecting community back in the day that Spielberg movies, when they finally started coming out on DVD, everybody was like losing their minds, trying to get a copy of this and a copy of that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, tell us, besides Spielberg, who else is involved here? All right. This was written by Melissa Matheson. Mm -hmm. It stars Henry Thomas as Elliot, Drew Barrymore as Gertie, Robert McNaughton as Michael, Dee Wallace as Mary, and Peter Coyote as Keys. Now, Melissa Matheson I, I I only really know her name from this movie, but apparently she died recently, or at least within the last 10, 12 years, something like that, she died. And 
her last film was also a Spielberg film. It was the BFG and it was a posthumous release. She got nominated for Saturn for the best writing for that one too. But I really only ever knew her name associated with this movie. I remember it because I used to have this memorized, this movie back in the day. I watched it so often when I was younger that, uh, that I remember now, her I, name popping up. I did not watch it a lot. I saw it once, maybe twice as a okay. kid. Okay. So this is really only my second or third viewing when we watched it this time. Wow. I am. I was not a big rewatcher of this movie. Interesting. Are you? Are you a D. Wallace fan? I mean, I feel like '80s kids. Are... I don't even know what she was in. I have no, no, no clue okay. what else she would have been in. She was big in horror. She did yeah, a lot I of didn't other watch stuff horror too, movies like... then. She did a lot of like daytime shows and stuff like that too. Or not daytime shows, but like like Starsky and Hutch type shows. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, we, I didn't watch those things. She was okay. So she was in The Hills Have Eyes in 1977. She was in The Stepford Wives in 75. She was in The Howling. She was in ET. She was in Cujo. She was in Critters. She was in Alligator 2. I mean, she has, and then she was in The Frighteners later on. And then, and then uh, Rob Zombie wanted to bring her in because he likes to bring in like the icons of horror, uh, especially like classic icons of horror, like, like D Wallace here. He brought her in as Laurie Strode's adoptive mother in his Halloween adaptation. She gets killed like real bad. That Everything that you listed there. I've only seen recently. I didn't see any of that before. So this really would have been the only thing I saw her in. Wow. Okay. Interesting. Okay. All right. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, should we talk movie here? Yeah. Okay. So I think a lot of people know the plot of E.T., but let's just walk through it. So we get, it opens on E.T. and his family of other E.T.'s wandering around in a California forest. I don't know if it's Redwoods or not. I don't know exactly where it is in California that they are. Does it ever get mentioned specifically where they are? It feels like they're somewhere like, like Northern I California. Don't remember. Okay. So they get, they get scattered because these, these government vehicles show up and they chase ET, but the other aliens take off. They leave them. They just leave them there. They're like, you're on your own, sucker, and take off. What, why they didn't wait for him, I do not know. He wasn't that far away from them, really, right? No, he was... He was right he was there. Right, I mean, he saw yeah. them take off. Yeah. Poor guy. They would have waited like 30 seconds. Yeah. He would have been traumatized by having to go yeah. meet humans. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So this says the San Fernando Valley, which is Los Angeles County in Los Angeles County, California. So this is in LA, near nearby LA. So the... So he's abandoned. He's he's left home alone on Earth, and he wanders into a neighborhood and hides out in their tool shed. Meanwhile, Elliot, a ten-year-old, a precocious ten-year-old, who is our who is our main character, other than ET, he is going to get pizza, and he comes back with the pizza from the end of the driveway. He just comes back with the pizza and he has this interaction with ET without knowing it's ET. He throws his baseball into the shed because he hears a noise and the baseball gets thrown back at him and he runs off trying to, 
convince everybody that there's a monster or something in the the in the shed. So they don't believe him. So of course, 10-year-old kid, something weird's going on, nobody believes him. This is kind of a hallmark of a Spielberg film, especially at this period. Did you notice that the kids were smoking? I thought so. I'm like, <laughs> my God, is it? But then I noticed later, like in, I think it was in Elliot's bedroom. Yeah. It looked like there was smoke in there too. And I'm like, maybe that's just like a look they're going through that there's smoke everywhere. And no, there the was house. like, there was literally a cigarette in an ashtray next to one of the kids <laughs> I, playing. I, thought so, yeah. I was like, what <laughs> the crap is going on here? And the kid, oh, the eighties, I know, right. <laughs> the doctor's smoking a heater while he's telling you, you're going to be fine. You know, like, like, okay. So, so one of the kids during the D&D session, the mom's asking her, uh, Matt asking them about like, what's going on? I don't get it. She's like, I don't get it. How do you win this game? And he's like, it's like life. You don't win. Nobody, you don't win at life. And I was like, damn, that really rings true now, doesn't it? Like <laughs> as an adult, you're like, holy shit. Oh, good Lord. Also, I wanted to point something else out real quick before we get too far into this movie. Kathleen Kennedy produced this movie. Kathleen Kennedy, who has drawn so much toxic fanboy ire for her participation in and her leadership of Lucasfilm since the Disney acquisition. People like to like shit on her, but she produced some of the greatest movies of the 80s. And I think just by like just by looking at her catalog of films those people are just ridiculous. Those, those toxic fans are ridiculous. They need to shut up, find another angle, find another slant. Just leave the woman alone. Let her do her job. You know? So Elliot decides he is, he goes back out later, right? He, he stays out all night and the alien like runs off. It gets scared. He finds it in the cornfield and he runs off and he goes like off into the forest. So the next morning, Elliot decides he's going to get on his bike and he's going to ride out into the forest and try and find the alien. Now this kid is awfully brave. I thought, so first he (laughs) thinks there's a monster in the shed, right? So that night he decides to take a flashlight and go walking through cornfields. Are you serious? Well, it's after he, (laughs) it's after he hears whatever it came back to the shed. And then it like, and then he saw like, he like, heard it like run off to the cornfields and that's why he was after it but yeah you're right, absolutely still, right still yeah. i mean i as a child and probably now as an adult <laughs> would be like uh hell no i'm calling the cops you're not chasing anything? or or i'm going to get mom or something i am not going <laughs> in the cornfield after it, who knows what the hell it is the 80s were a, a totally different time <laughs> are you telling me you would have gone chasing after it i think i i'm telling you that we did do shit like that <laughs> like you can ask your cousin we would do crap like that we went looking for ghosts for crying out loud when we lived in the manor house in england on greenham common so yeah we went looking for ghosts we were looking for them that's how i fell in that lake we were out there looking <laughs> for a ghost <laughs> he does he goes he goes chasing after him and then later on once he when he decides he's going to go out on his little bike expedition to try and find him first of all he runs across keys but not really. He just kind of like he kind of sees him and then he runs off because, you know, Keys is out there looking for E.T. as well. But the really interesting thing is here, it's the Reese's Pieces. Do you know the story behind how Reese's Pieces became the... I do. Yeah. Why don't you tell us about that story? Because that's a fun story. 
Well, the filmmakers requested that M&Ms be used to lure E.T. out, but the Mars company denied the request, fearing that E.T. was so ugly he would frighten children. (laughs) Reese's Pieces decided that they were okay with, you know, being featured in the movie. And of course, Reese's Pieces sales skyrocketed after this movie. And it prompted other movies. Now, this is not the start of product placement that happened long before this. But this was such a big thing that it did prompt quite a bit more product placement going forward. I think what happened is we got a lot more obvious product placement. This is very obvious product placement. (laughs) But yeah, that's that's the story of it. And then he, so he, he tries to lure the alien back, but he can't get him out there right away, right? He can't get him back to the house. So he goes and he, he goes to, well, actually, before he goes to stay back out outside, he has a confrontation with his family. They're around the dinner table and his big brother is giving him shit. And, and another great line in the movie you know, the brother's saying, well, maybe it was like a leprechaun blah, 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 or whatever. Right. And he says it was nothing like that penis breath, which is <laughs> a showstopper for a nine-year-old in a, in a movie theater. You're like, holy shit. He apparently said, apparently too, apparently too, that line um, in the script or something just said that he says something inappropriate or something along those lines. And yeah. that's what came up. So D will D Wallace's reaction was pretty it was genuine then because oh, she, she kind of laughed through yeah. through the yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Take, that was a, that was a very genuine laugh it was hysterical mm-hmm. i like th- like how many times has that really happened i mean you know for all of you out there who are parents your kid says something and you have to try and redirect that and you know say no that's not appropriate but you're trying <laughs> not to laugh because all it was time. funny as hell <laughs> all the time i and in fact, I have a Miles story about penis breath, which sounds grosser than it really is. But it, but basically, Miles and I watched this movie. He was about four at the time. And we were watching it. And I was working. I was sitting behind him at my desk. He was sitting at the couch watching the movie. And it gets to this line. And Elliot says, it was nothing like that penis breath. And he turns around and looks at me and he goes, penis breath? and i said yeah you know like when your breath smells like pee and he goes oh penis breath (laughs) uh well hopefully he didn't go around saying that after that (laughs) no i hope he did because that's freaking hysterical i hope he said penis breath at every opportunity The other thing that this scene actually sets up is that this is a broken family, which is a very much a Spielberg trope. The father is missing. There's always, there's always a broken family that, that needs fixing. And there's always a kid trying to run away from that towards something else. There's been a lot of discussion that maybe that is Spielberg's like processing of his life because his parents divorced when he was young it's probably, it probably is. Honestly, there's so sure. much of it, you know, well, that would make sense. Yeah. There's so much of it. I mean, you find, sometimes you find healing in art, you know, and that's entirely possible that he did that. We also get the uh, Spielberg stare in the next scene when, when Elliot goes back out to his backyard and camps out overnight 
ET shows back up and drops off some Reese's pieces. And as ET is approaching him, we get that slack jawed wonder eyed stare that we get from just about any Spielberg movie. You can trace it back to jaws. It's, it's just a thing that he does. It, you know, you're watching a Spielberg movie. When you see that you could, you could drop it in the middle of it. And if there's a person doing this look, you know, it's, you know, who directed it, you know, exactly who directed it. <laughs> and of course, Elliot does what any rational 10-year-old boy would do if an alien shows up and drops Reese's pieces off on his on his on his sleeping bag. He entices the alien back to his room so he can keep him as a pet. <laughs> what any any rational kid would do. I think the sister, Gertie, she had the most realistic reaction <laughs> to seeing E.T. Yeah. E.T. is a scary looking thing. I he mean, is. That, he's goofy they, looking. Yeah, he is goofy looking. He's slimy looking. He's <laughs> he's scary looking. Right, right. So we also start to get the sense that there's a connection between E.T. and Elliot because E.T. is like mimicking what he does, like touching his face, touching his nose, that sort of thing, rubbing his nose, I guess. And so that's the first inkling that we get that there's a connection between the two. Now, that was one thing I did not remember from watching it. But again, it's been a long time, probably 35 <laughs> years yeah. or so since I've seen this. The connection thing, I don't mm-hmm. re- I didn't remember that. Is there, is it ever explained in the movie? Because I don't remember it being explained but what that's from or why there's that connection there no they don't ever actually explicitly explain it elliot describes it a couple of times we feel the same things i feel what he feels or something along those lines but they never actually explain how that happened i just take it as that is et's way of connecting with someone that he feels a kinship with and maybe that's just something that his physiology allows is this ability to you know telepathically link with someone or empathically really is what it is right so i wonder if it's if it's something that the alien does knowingly or if it's just something that happens because towards the end of the movie Elliot starts going through some trauma and some hard times. And you would think that it seems that ET cares about Elliot and he wouldn't want that to happen. So he would try and pull that back. And And maybe that's what happened. Maybe that's what happened and why that, why Elliot was doing okay then. Okay. That makes sense. Okay. We talked it through. I got it. Yeah, he does. He actually does. When they're, when they're sitting there, they're, the the they're one of the like dying on the they're table. both dying on the table and one of the one of the medics there says they're separating they're separating the boys coming back as all the chaos is going on or something so how those the lines. hell would they know that i don't know that doesn't make it sense has, how the he's looking at, would know that yeah he's looking at some sort of ekg thing so i'm guessing like maybe his life signs got stronger or something like because they knew that they were set they were connected that was that was clear they had, they had made that clear. Like yeah. Elliot specifically says that they f- they feel the same things. Right. So my guess is when Elliot's EKG stuff improves or his you know his medical stats improve as ETs are declining, they're saying you know they separated. Plus, it's just a sh- it's a shorthand way to explain to the the audience exactly what you're saying that ET doesn't want Elliot to feel this, so he lets him go. You know. Right. So 
back back to the present day in this movie. Yeah, back to where you're at. (laughs) That's okay. The the that's okay because going back and forth kind of helps to this the discussion, you know. So that's that's fine. So Elliot, like he he plays sick so that he can teach at ET all kinds of stuff. Did you ever play sick like this? To play with an alien? No. No, not to play with an alien, you <laughs> goober. <sighs> My God. You know, it's so hard to find good help these days. <laughs> did you ever did you ever play sick like this where you like, you know, tried to like make yourself look sick or feel like clammy or something like that not just to stay home from school? Once. Not once. Not once. Wow. Wow. I if I would have been caught, I would have been in so much trouble and <laughs> I avoided trouble at all costs. If I mean, I tried to stay out of trouble as much as I could. Well, I mean, not saying I was never in trouble. I definitely got in trouble with things, but st- something like that, I would never have done that. So, but I'm guessing you did. Hey, you know what? Trouble is my middle name. So <laughs> Yeah, I did try stuff like this. And, and, you know, honestly, when he's when he's putting his thermometer up to the light, I was like, shit, I wonder if that'll work. (laughs) (laughs) As a nine year old, I'm like, oh, man, this could work. I never tried it, though. I didn't have the balls to do it. honestly. (laughs) So all of a sudden it comes in and you're like 120 degrees getting rushed to the hospital or something. This is not how I planned this. I wanted to play Atari. (laughs) (laughs) all i wanted to do was play atari all day (laughs) so so elliot goes through like all of his stuff he's like showing et like food he's showing et star wars figures which i thought was really cool and then later in the day the other kids come home and elliot introduces him introduces both of the kids to et the other kids and they they they're going to keep him hidden from mom Basically, they start, they start talking to E.T. and trying to figure out where he's from. And he kind of like you get this. You, this is where you find out that he can levitate things because he levitates these little like balls and turns like turns into like a like a solar system. But it's not our mm-hmm. solar system. It's like whatever his solar system is, I'm guessing, because it didn't look like ours. And then we also see that he can revive dead flowers. That's some kind of gardener, man. Because as I understand it, these aliens are like botanists, right? They're 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 they got green thumbs or whatever they have. But then that flower too is kind of tied to him later. Oh with... yeah, it's a visual cue for us later. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Now, did that connection happen then because he healed Elliot's finger? And so does that connection happen when he heals things? What the connection with Elliot? Yeah. No, the connection with Elliot is, is already there. Okay. I think that the way that I took the mimicking was that that was the moment of connection. That was when they, that's when things started happening. Oh, I did. I guess I didn't look at it that way. I looked at it as you have an alien who's, in front of a human and a human in front of an alien they don't know how to interact and mm. so he's just repeating what the other one's doing just because they can't communicate yet so sure, i didn't sure. take that as them being connected more gotcha. just how they're trying to figure out how to communicate together i gotcha okay no i think the i think the only reason that we see that he can heal things is that he's going to later it's going to later be a visual joke when mike is in his halloween costume 
So I think that's mm-hmm. the only reason we get the whole, oh, he can touch Elliot's finger and the cut goes away. But yeah. So their bond gets stronger as the, as the next day kind of goes on. And E.T., while nobody else is at home, decides he's going to go around and <laughs> he starts drinking beer. And this is the scene where Elliot is in science class. He's going to dissect frogs. And he starts setting frogs free because he wants them to live. He doesn't want to cut them <laughs> up. So he starts letting for these frogs free. Then he kisses a uh, girl who's there that who kind of likes him and he kind of likes her. But he kisses her because E.T. is watching The Quiet Man on TV. And there's a scene where John Wayne kisses Maureen O'Hara. And yeah, and so then he goes to the principal's office and he gets, his mom gets called, his mom gets called to, to come get his drunk ass. <laughs> Meanwhile, this, this whole time that E.T. was drinking and watching movies, he was also figuring out how to make a communication device. He's gathered a whole bunch of stuff, including like a popcorn maker and a speak and say, or speak and spell, excuse me. And like. A, a saw blade and a couple other things. And he's going to try and create what he saw in a Buck Rogers comic strip in the newspaper. So he, <laughs> it's, it's around this point where we start to see that, Oh, this is where we get the ET phone home bit, but it wasn't phone home originally. Was it? It was not. What was his, what was his original quote? E.T. home phone. That's right. As opposed to E.T.'s work phone. So mm-hmm. the, but, but later in the movie, Gertie says, or not later in the movie, later in the scene, like, Gertie says. Like, yeah, literally seconds yeah, later. She says E.T. phone home. And that's where, mm-hmm. that's where it comes from. It wasn't E.T. that said it originally. It was Gertie. That's a Gertie line. So, yeah. Yep. So we start to see that E.T. is starting to look a little rough. Mm-hmm. and Elliot is starting to refer to himself as we, like he's saying, we're not, we're fine, we're good, we're okay, you know, that kind of stuff. But they, and so, and so like Michael notices this stuff and he's like, eh, you know, something's not right. E.T. is also being tracked by government agents, these people that are with keys. NASA, which it'll turn out, have to wear spacesuits when they invade your house? I didn't know that. But who who knew, right? <laughs> but, like, like, I don't know. But they decide that they're going to help E.T. get his communication device out to a field that's going to allow him to contact his people, bring them back, and rescue him from the planet before he gets really sick and dies. So this happens on Halloween, where we get Michael and E.T., or Michael and uh, Elliot dressed as a hunchback and, or no, excuse me, it is a terrorist and a hunchback respectively michael is the weirdest looking terrorist i've ever seen also that's another thing that they changed from in the 20th anniversary edition she didn't want him saying the word terrorist because post 9-11 or they didn't want him saying the word terrorist so post 9-11 they didn't want terrorist in there spielberg changed it to hippie which makes absolutely no sense (laughs) how many hippies do you know with a knife through their head right and this is where we, and so they dress, they, they insist that Gertie tell mom that she's going to go as a ghost. So that way they can use E.T. as, they can use that costume for E.T., 
without her knowing that he's leaving the house. So they get out of the house, but not before E.T. tries to heal Michael's knife wound, which isn't really a knife wound. That's the payoff for the whole cut finger thing, because that's the only other time that we see him try and heal something. Yeah. Right. Other than the plants. During this whole thing. I I don't know if this is the mom and me or what, but I was very <laughs> worried for Gertie and these two brothers sending her off to be just on her own out in God knows where waiting for them. <laughs> You're in California. I, There's cougars, happen. man. <laughs> things happen not only that but i mean kidnappings and there's not nice people out there i was very concerned for gertie now i knew that nothing was going to happen but at the same time it's running around in the back of my head like good god you boys are putting your sister in horrible horrible danger here <laughs> it was the 80s and she was in the forest she wasn't like out on a street somewhere uh, people don't go was- missing from the forest well, I don't know that many people that have gone missing from the forest. Do you? I don't know that many people that have gone missing anyway, but. I was going to say, I don't know anybody personally. <laughs> anyway. There's stories. Anyways, my, my point is yeah. very irresponsible people. <laughs> well, they're kids. So, yeah, definitely irresponsible. But also, Gertie <laughs> was full in on that. She was like, all right, fine, I'll do it. But she wasn't happy about it. But she was all in. So they take Elliot or Elliot takes ET out to the this clearing and they successfully make the machine call home and they get very excited Elliot passes out and the next day he wakes up and ET's gone so Elliot goes home but while he, when he gets there mom has called the cops because the kids out all night right mm-hmm. and he tells Mike that E.T. is gone. He's missing. He needs to go and find him. Mike goes back to the field and he finds E.T. having fallen into a river. Like he's fallen like into like a, like a creek, maybe. I don't mm-hmm. know if it was a river necessarily. And but, he looks tough. Yeah, he does. He looks really rough. But while he's doing that. He's not uh, slimy anymore and he's very pale. Yeah, he's got that like, he's very ashen looking, yeah. like very white. Yeah. But, while the, but while Mike is rescuing E.T., NASA is invading their house. <laughs> Keys is there and NASA is invading the house. There's this creepy ass scene where like she opens the door. Though this is after this is after, excuse me. This isn't as he's as he's doing. This is after he's rescued ET and brought him back to the house. Mike brings mom to the bathroom to introduce her to ET so that she can see that Elliot is also sick, not just ET. And she freaks out, grabs Gertie, and goes to run out of the house. And that's when she opens the door. There is a fully suited up astronaut. Guys, you don't need an astronaut sh- suit for this. Maybe a biohazard suit, but that's an astronaut. That's a freaking astronaut out- uniform, <laughs> right? Like that dude's going to the moon next week. That's why he's in that, right? Like he's like, this is the way you dress if you need to dissect an alien now and then in a few hours you actually got to go to the moon mm-hmm. right so that's what he was doing that's my theory there were a lot of them though there's the and it's this great it's this really creepy invasion scene where like they're coming through the windows they're coming through the doors and it's kind of terrifying it is very scary it's mm-hmm. just bizarre to, for as a child i remember 
this movie was very scary for me. I, and that's yeah. why that's why I didn't watch it very often because I, I I thought it was scary, and ET was creepy, and poor ET. It it, it gets sad towards the end too. It so does I, get, yeah, I, it does I did not I did not care for this as a child because I thought stuff like that this stuff was like really scary. You know, <laughs> you thought that you thought that American astronauts were going to invade your house. Well, no, you never know. I didn't think that. You never know. But it, it, it's just a scary thing that was happening. You Look, know. I'm just saying, American astronauts could invade your house at any time. Please don't hire somebody to dress up as an astronaut and come knocking at the door. I would not well, appreciate that. Shit, I wasn't gonna. But now that you said <laughs> it, that's a great idea. Happy anniversary, I honey. That's where you're going with that. Uh, please don't do that. Okay. Well, I'm gonna wait long enough for you to forget. <laughs> And then I'll do it. So the scientists set up a big old lab in the house, in the kitchen, really. And they have, they, they interview everybody. They interview Michael and Mary, the mom, Gertie. They want to know what they know about E.T. And they're treating both Elliot and E.T. But while they're doing that, that's when they notice as E.T. is starting to die Elliot is separating from him and he's recovering, but Elliot gets taken away and the doctors pronounce ET dead. Then they pack him in ice. They also did CPR and did some shocking stuff to him. I was curious as to, do they just assume they know where this alien's heart is? I mean, it's an alien. His heart could be in his forehead. I mean, I you mean- don't know. <laughs> That'd be a weird place for your heart, but I know it would, but he's an alien. It doesn't mean his body structure is the same as ours. I mean, I think they were just grasping at straws, right? Just trying to do whatever they could to try and get him back is my guess. They they were, but I just thought it was like, well, all right. Okay. Yeah. So once they pronounce him dead, we see that the, this is our visual cue to know that he's really dead. The plant is dying too. It's just back to being dying. So then Elliot recovers, the scientists bring him to, or Keyes brings him to ET to give him some alone time. And Elliot kind of has this emotional bye-bye moment, tells him he loves him, closes the case. But then he notices that ET's heart light, because ET's heart lights up, which was a great selling point for the toys. ET's heart light begins to glow. And then he looks over at the plant and miraculously the plant is coming back to life again. So Elliot opens up the freezer case that E.T. is in again, and E.T. starts talking about, like, rapidly, like, he's perfectly fine now, all of a sudden. I don't know how he came back. I was like, what happened? How did he just all of a sudden turn around like that? I, I think I think it's connected to, like, earlier the on. power of movie, love? No, well, not really, <laughs> not really, but the power of belief more than anything, the power of belief right. more than anything. And I think it is related to early on, we saw Mary, the mom, reading Peter Pan to Gertie. And it's very, very specifically the scene where Tink pretends to die and they have to clap to bring her back to life or she does die and they have to clap to bring her back to life. If you believe and you clap hard enough, she'll come back to life. Right. So. I think Elliot willed him back to life with his belief, which 
borders on the goofy for me as an adult. As a kid, I was like, oh my God, ET's back. Oh, it's so great. Now, <laughs> as, an, as an adult, I'm looking at this and thinking to myself, this doesn't fit it the rest of the narrative sense. for me. Yeah, it doesn't it, fit the rest of the narrative for me. And, and I mean, it, it is what it is. So, I, yeah, I feel like this third act is a little on the sketchy side with a couple of things. We'll get to a couple of the other, but so Elliot and Michael crack a plan to steal a van that E.T.'s coffin has been loaded into with E.T. in it. They run off with the van and they get Mike's friends to grab the bikes and meet them at this park on the top of the hill. And you get this great BMX trial race with the cops and the kids on their bikes, and it is it's pretty freaking hysterical, actually. Then they get to then, and then just as you think the cops are going to catch the kids, ET levitates them all. They go flying, which I guess we we, we passed right over early on. Like, yeah, we, we saw that. Oh, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> ET flies them away to the field, and the and the special effects were not as good now. Like they, I, know, I, I wrote special effects are dated. Yeah. It's fine. Effective still, but definitely yeah. dated. Yeah. You yeah. could definitely see it. Yeah. Yeah. So he uses that telekinesis that he used. This is again, set up early in the movie where he, you know, he levitates the spheres and shows right. them where he's from and all that. They go to the forest where they they find the spaceship. The spaceship has landed and they're going to bring E.T. home. And E.T. has to say his goodbyes. He tells Gertie to be good. He, I don't remember what the hell he says to Michael, but then he tells Elliot to come with him. And Elliot's like, no, I have to stay. And that's a heartbreaker too, as a kid. And then Elliot, or E.T. tells Elliot, he gives him a big hug and he gives he points at his head and he says, I'll be right here in your head, in your memories, Elliot. Don't forget me. I'm going to go off to do other stuff. And then he boards his plane with his flowers that he's murdered and re revived a couple of times. It takes off and it leaves a rainbow in the sky. Mm -hmm. That's the other thing that as an adult, I'm like, why do you need a rainbow there? I don't know. I took it just as, you know, in Elliot's bedroom, his blinds are rainbow colored. And yeah. I just matched it to that, that somehow the spaceship was rainbow colored too when it flew and it had something, I don't know. Maybe it was a final message from ET to Elliot. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I, to me, it just, it called back to the blinds and the bedroom. I don't know if it meant anything more than that. Hmm. To, to me but well headcanon i'm gonna go with that from now on because that actually that actually makes more sense than random rainbow shooting out of the ass into the spaceship <laughs> to be honest with you so did you notice that the nasa guys and keys they don't have a face until the final act like you don't ever see what they look like until the end and in fact in most scenes you don't ever see them from the waist up. You see them from the waist down, a child's perspective or ET's perspective. Mm -hmm. I thought that was mm -hmm. really freaking cool. I thought that was a really cool turn. Yeah. Well, 
Steven Spielberg shot the film from the child's child's eye level in order for the audience to really connect with Elliot. Beautiful. Um, another thing he did with shooting this film is he shot it in chronological order mm, to okay. invoke more of a real response from the actors when ET departed. Sure. 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 That's interesting. Now let's talk about when they go out to Halloween, like they go out walking around first with ET and they pass by a Yoda mask and he grabs, he goes, he grab he gravitates <laughs> toward it and goes home, home, which is cute and everything. But I wanted that mask as a kid. That mask was freaking tight, man. That thing is awesome. That's a cool you mask. See that thing? Yeah. <laughs> Damn, I wanted that mask when I was a kid. It was a good mask. I, I, I guess that's he is he friends with George Lucas? Is that my understanding? Yes, yeah, they're friends. Okay. That's why they're so, that's why there's Star Wars music in here, Star Wars bits in Right. Here, so yeah. that's there, but apparently, and now I haven't seen this movie, so I don't know, but oh, in I one have. of the Star Wars movies, yep. there are ETs in the background as in the Senate. Some yeah. of the aliens. Yeah, yeah they're so. in the Senate. I think it's in I want to say it's an attack of the clones, but yeah, there are ETs in one of the Senate seats in a big meeting of the Senate. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Okay. Yep. I've seen it. I've seen it. I and saw a little that on... nods to each other. So mm-hmm. that's kind of. Oh cool. yeah, they they like to shake each other's hands every once in a while. I'll go like, hey, you know my buddy Steve? He makes these movies. You know that <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. So I have a question. Mm-hmm. Do you think when ET got back on the spaceship and he showed up with like the chrysanthemum, do you think his family were like, "You've been on this planet for days, and all you came back with was a friggin' house plant"? Mm-hmm. That's it. What kind of botanist are you? Do you think he got in trouble? Do you think he was, do you think they were like, you've been here for all this time? Or did E.T. get after them for leaving him? <laughs> you jerks, you took off without me. What's wrong with you? What I you almost think? died. Okay, so so <laughs> honest question here. Did Do you think that E.T. was the one in charge? No, I think it was that other thing the other one that was like always at the door mm. like with the light behind him or whatever so et is not necessarily the the head creature i didn't think so but okay because if he was the head creature you know you know that he would be chewing him <laughs> out you're like look right. do not leave until i'm on the ship next time i don't care what planet we're on who's who is running the spaceship dave come here come here what is wrong with you dude don't leave we leave no one behind do you know what i had to do i died dave i died and then i had to come back and you know what i had to do i had to get together with some kid i had some kid in my head dave all three days i was here and this is your fault because you could have just waited two more seconds i was right around the corner dave do you imagine being like so uh, my understanding is et is an adult so as an adult can you imagine being like like psychically linked with a child like that <laughs> the thoughts going through your head again you know what you're feeling as a child because you know child right. children are you know active and all over the place can you, <laughs> can you imagine right, right. <laughs> what would be what would be really funny is for him to be like really frustrated you imagine that et like when elliot goes to sleep et's like jesus <sighs> man i cannot get this kid to understand what i need <laughs> to make my stupid communicator because I don't speak his like stupid earth language. Freaking poor kid, poor ET, right? <laughs> okay. 
So do you have any other trivia? This is the first film to be produced and directed by Steven Spielberg through his Amblin production studio. Yes, it is. indeed. Um, and in fact, the Amblin logo is E.T. and Elliot in front of the yeah. moon. Now that yeah. didn't appear on this no. movie. No, no. That, but it came from that mm-hmm. for other movies for yep. later. Yep. And the last thing is E.T.'s voice is provided by an older lady who smoked two packs of cigarettes a day. Her name, I believe, what was Pat her name? Welsh. Pat Welsh. Yeah. But in post-production, there was 16 other people's voices that were kind of meshed in and added for different bits and pieces to get the overall effect of E.T.'s voice. Please tell me one of them was Kathleen Turner, because for my entire life, I thought Kathleen Turner was the voice of E.T. And I I just I don't know why she was not mentioned once. <laughs> None of a bitch. That is one of the that's one of those like urban legends about you know about movies or about whatever but yeah okay that's it okay that's all i was bringing to the table 40th anniversary of et the extraterrestrial done book closed i cannot believe that movie is 40 years old already i know i know i now i've seen both versions i've seen the original i've seen the 20th i gotta say the original is better the the 20th version is just uh, completely unnecessary so unnecessary so do we want to do a keep rent erase on something like this with this? Do we want to keep know why not? I don't know why not. That's All right. kind of our thing. It is our thing. So, okay. So we're going to do that then. You tell me, keep rent or erase. What are you doing with ET? I went into this thinking this is going to be tough because I did not like this movie as a kid. I remember, I, I mean, I have avoided this movie Ever wow. since I was a kid, because I did not like it. Okay, looking up divorce lawyers online. But when we watched it this time, I thought, okay, I can see now what I didn't see as a kid and mm. how great this story really is. You know, sure. it is a good story. Yes, there is stuff that's dated. There's a few things that really don't make sense, but <laughs> they're minor things. You can overlook them. It, it's fine. Sure. I still think for kids this can be a little scary depending on what they've seen kids are exposed to a lot more scary things a lot earlier nowadays so this might not be scary for them and they might actually think it's goofy because et does look goofy but i think i would keep this at this point seeing this again listening to the music understanding what's happening more than what i did when i was a kid right i think this goes on the keep shelf Okay. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. How about and you? you? You almost had me there at the beginning. I was like, there's <laughs> no way you would erase this movie. <laughs> so uh, this is a definite keep for me. This is part of that early, early part of Spielberg's catalog that, that pretty much everything was a hit except for 1941 with me, everything that he, he, he directed. I love, I love 80 Spielberg movies, except for 1981 or 1941. But I think that was I think that was 79. So I think he's out of the woods there. But yeah, no doubt about it. Spielberg doesn't do commentaries. I'm not worried about that. But being able to re- re- revisit this movie every once in a while is a great, a great joy of mine. And yeah, we didn't talk about the music, but the music is absolutely stellar. It is, mm-hmm. it is just bar none. That was my first note is I remember this music and yeah. I remember I 
I always thought the music was good. I, you know, you know what this right. is, you hear this start playing. It's, it's ET, you know, you know what it is. Yep. Absolutely. I loved the music so much that as a kid I had, I still might have, I don't know where it might be, but if I have it still a picture disc of the ET score for uh, this now guys vinyl, I know it's back in a big, bad way. But back in the day, we used to get like picture discs, like you could get like Disney's Fox and the Hound as a storybook, uh, storybook record. And it had a picture of the Fox and the Hound on the front of it. This one had a picture of E.T. on one side and on the other side, it had Elliot and E.T. in front of the moon. And I loved it. That thing, I mean, it might have worn the groove out on that thing. You never know. I <laughs> loved it. Loved it. Loved Johnny Williams music. Good stuff. Good stuff. So, yeah, definite keep for me. Definite keep for me. So. Where does that leave us? What are we doing next? All right. Next week, we are going to cover Top Gun Maverick. Oh, yeah. All right. So, again, with the 80s, right? So, this is basically, this is a follow-up to the 1986 flick Top Gun. Also, if you're interested, we did cover Top Gun way back in January of 2020. It was our ninth episode. It was a long time ago. Uh, We covered that in anticipation of this movie release that upcoming (laughs) summer. And now we are here two years later, finally getting that movie. Good Lord. It's been put off that long. I completely forgot that we had done that movie. But now that you're now that I'm thinking about it, you're right. We did, didn't we? Yeah, I'll find it and I will link it. I'll put it out on the social stuff. If you guys want to watch or listen to that one again before you uh, listen to our Top Gun 2 review, which is now called Maverick. Obviously, we didn't know it was going to be called Top Gun Maverick at the time, which, do you know what? Now that I think about it, the first Top Gun was about Maverick too, right? So it's not unusual that this would have been a movie about Maverick. Why did they call it Top Gun Maverick, I wonder? I don't know. Maybe we'll find (laughs) out when we watch it. (laughs) Yeah, maybe. Maybe they'll be like, by the way, yeah, I don't think they're going to do that, but it's worth a try. All right. So thanks for listening. We will see you guys next week right here on the couch with Top Gun Maverick. Jennifer, I feel the need, the need, the need for speed. speed. (laughs) Thank you for listening to A View from the Couch. We value your feedback. Please consider leaving us a review on Podbean, iTunes, or your preferred podcast listening app. You can reach us on Facebook by searching at A View from the Couch, on Twitter at View underscore Couch, or by emailing us at a view from the couch at yahoo.com. Thanks again for listening. Bye. See ya. <laughs>